Welcome to AEM Early Access, a collaboration between Brown University Emergency Medicine and the editors of the Academic Emergency Medicine Journal. I'm Dr. Gita Pensa, and here's what we've got for you today. Today, we're going to be talking about the treatment of low back pain. We see and treat low back pain on a daily basis. It's incredibly common, and yet sometimes really tough to effectively treat. We all know that NSAIDs are usually a starting point for symptomatic relief, but is there a difference between one agent and another? Today, we're starting to look at that question with a new paper in AEM entitled, a randomized controlled trial of ibuprofen versus ketorolac versus diclofenac for acute non-radicular low back pain. First author, Dr. Eddie Irizarry is here with us to talk about his team's study and their findings. Dr. Irizarry is an associate professor of emergency medicine and actively practices in the Bronx, New York, and we're excited to talk to him about this work. Don't forget to read the full text of this article available on our blog at brownemblog.com. Dr. Irizarry, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me today. So there's probably not a day that goes by in the ED that I don't treat a patient who is either there for low back pain or has coincidental chronic issues with low back pain. Sometimes I have low back pain. So this is actually really a ubiquitous problem in emergency medicine. But by way of actual data, though, how big a problem is low back pain? So yeah, once again, thanks for having me on today. So low back pain is one of the most prevalent health problems worldwide. Uh, There's a recent Cochrane review from 2020 that estimates up to 70% of people in industrialized countries will be affected at some time during their lifetime. In the U.S., it accounts for about 2.5 million emergency department visits annually for acute low back pain. And, you know, this total does not count um, all healthcare encounters for low back pain. It leaves out urgent care and uh, probably other acute care providers such as um, primary care. So the total number of unplanned health encounters is likely higher than this. And um, here's why that's a big problem that most emergency providers uh, may not think of. Up to one quarter to half of patients with acute new onset low back pain report persistent moderate or severe pain about a week after their ED visit. And 10 to 20% of patients are still suffering at three months. So there's really a great need for treatments that could help address this situation. And I feel like, or we feel like if uh, we could sort of manage acute low back pain better, perhaps we could prevent the uh, transition to chronic low back pain, which is probably its own disease process and probably a little bit more difficult to treat than acute low back pain. Well, that makes sense. So NSAIDs are typically considered first-line treatment for low back pain, and we have not really established if one type of NSAID is better than another, and your study starts to address this. We're going to get into that in a second, but... First, what kind of data do we already have on how well NSAIDs in general actually work for acute low back pain? So NSAIDs are an effective treatment for acute low back pain, but their impact is only modest. And this comes from a Cochrane review and also a joint practice statement from the American College of Physicians and the American Pain Society. So NSAIDs are slightly more effective placebo for short-term pain reduction and functional disability. So they're good, but not great in actuality. 
Okay. That is not as effective as I thought they would be. Um, so your study aims to give us some data regarding which NSAID might work better than another. And you state in the paper that, I'm going to quote, based on our unpublished clinical experience, we anticipated that Ketorolac would be more effective than the other two medications. So I'm curious because I usually prescribe ibuprofen myself. Tell me about your unpublished clinical experience and why it led to your initial hypothesis that Ketorolac would provide greater relief for low back pain than the other agents. Yeah, so, you know, I agree with you that ibuprofen is probably the workhorse in uh, most emergency departments for oral uh, NSAID. But, um, you know, we don't have an evidence-based answer. This is more anecdotal. And I'll just set up a clinical scenario for you. So let's say you get a patient with uh, acute low back pain, and they may be taking ibuprofen or naproxen, but it's not really relieving their pain to a sufficient degree. What do you do with that patient? So let's say you evaluate them, and you don't think they would benefit from an additional agent such as an opioid. So in practice, what we've tried and what we've done to some success is give them Ketorolac. And this seems to help them or leave their pain a little bit better and also improve their functional disability. Um, you know, we've done several different um, RCTs, randomized controlled trials, trying to figure out if there's a good combination of medications to help relieve the suffering and functional impairment from back pain. We know, like we said, stated earlier, that NSAIDs do give a modest benefit, but a lot of patients are still suffering with back pain. And that's why we see them in the ED. So we've done combinations of NSAIDs with uh, acetaminophen, muscle relaxers, benzodiazepines, Valium, uh, opioids like Percocet. And unfortunately, none of these combinations of medications seem to help. So we wondered if these, this observed effect with Ketorolac was uh, an actual benefit or was it just random chance that these patients were feeling better? And this uh, helped us decide to pursue this uh, line of investigation to see if this was an actual benefit that these patients might be receiving from getting Ketorolac. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I always thought that, you know, when I give Ketorolac in the emergency department, I usually give it parenterally. And then I wasn't sure that the oral formulation at home would work as well. And so I think I just never really tried it. But so let's get into your study. So your study is this is a randomized, three-armed, double-blinded, comparative effectiveness study in which you enrolled participants during an ED visit for musculoskeletal low back pain, and you prescribed them one of three different NSAIDs for five days, and then you followed them by telephone two and five days later. So which NSAIDs did you use for the three arms and at what doses? Sure. So yeah, so uh, we chose Ketorolac 10 milligrams for the first arm, ibuprofen 600 milligrams for the second, and diclofenac 50 milligrams for the third arm. Patients were instructed to take one tablet every eight hours as needed for their low back pain. We wanted to try to maximize efficacy while at the same time balancing that with minimizing side effects. So that's why we chose those doses. Okay. And how did you select your sub your subjects? What what did you define as low back pain for the purposes of this study? And what characteristics would exclude patients from this study? Sure, yeah. So uh, our goal was to include in this study a broad representation of patients with musculoskeletal back pain who are likely to respond to the investigational medications. We included patients aged 18 to 65 who presented to the ED primarily for the management of their acute low back pain and were to be discharged home. We define low back pain as pain originating from between the border of the lower border of the scapula and the upper gluteal folds. Patients were also required to have functionally disabling a low back pain as determined by a score of greater than five on the Roland Morris Disability Questionnaire. 
We excluded patients with flank pain, which we defined as pain originating from tissues lateral to the paraspinal muscles. We excluded patients who were not available for follow-up, if they were pregnant, if they had a chronic pain syndrome, if there was a radicular component to their pain, if their pain lasted greater than two weeks, or if they had a history of low back pain occurring once per month or more frequently, or if they recently experienced within the last month or so, if they experienced substantial direct trauma to uh, the back or the low back, I should say. Okay. Um, And so tell us more about your study designs and your methods and how many patients did you ultimately enroll? Sure. So uh, like you mentioned a little bit earlier, this was a randomized three-arm double-blind comparative effectiveness study in which we enrolled participants during an ED visit for musculoskeletal low back pain. We then followed them up by telephone two and five days later. All the participants were given 15 tablets of the investigational medication at discharge. And just before discharge, research personnel also provided each patient with a 15-minute educational back pain uh, intervention and overview, which was based on a NIH webpage. Um, we had those same research associates call the patient on days two and five after the ED visit to ask the participants questions are pertaining to their pain. So we asked the patients about their functional disability using the Roland Morris Disability Questionnaire and also asked them to rate their worst episode of back pain in the last 24 hours from none to severe. And also about the frequency of their back pain from never to always. The primary outcome was improvement in Roland Morris Disability Questionnaire score between ED visit and day five. We uh, screened 868 patients for participation, 198 ultimately got enrolled, we enrolled 66 patients in each of the three arms of the study. Tell me more about the Roland Morris Disability Questionnaire. I've never heard of that before. What is that? And what kind of questions does it include? Sure. So the Roland Morris Disability Questionnaire is a 24-item functional impairment scale tool used in low back pain research. It has a yes-no format, and a lower score indicates less impairment, while a higher score indicates more impairment. So a score of 10 is worse than a score of 5. Let me give you two sample questions. So over the last 24 hours, I've stayed home most of the time because of my back pain. You would have the patient answer in the affirmative or negative. Uh, a second sample question. Over the last 24 hours, I went upstairs more slowly than usual because of my back pain. Um, and so what kind of secondary outcomes were you interested in? Sure. So let me uh, highlight some of our secondary outcomes. Um, first thing we were looking for is the improvement in the Roland Morris Disability Questionnaire score between baseline and day two. Another thing we looked at was the worst pain intensity scores at two and five days. We also looked at pain frequency at two and five days. We also asked an open-ended question about adverse uh, side effects. We asked the patient to describe anything that they thought might have been uh, a cause from the uh, medication. And then we asked a direct question of, did this medication irritate your stomach? And we had them answer no, a little, or a lot. All right, so let's talk about your results. What did you find regarding the different NSAIDs and their impact on patient functional impairment due to back pain? Sure, so for the primary outcome, the median improvement in MRDQ score, the Roland Morris Disability Questionnaire score from initial ED visit to day five was for ibuprofen 11, Ketorolac 14, and for diclofenac, it was 11. The p-value for these was 0.34. So there was no statistically significant difference between the groups with regards to the primary outcome. So it didn't seem like the ins- any NSAID that we gave in the study improved to uh, the level that we wanted it to be for the sample size calculation that we had. 
I'm guessing that surprised you. Well, we've done about six or seven of these studies, and it seems like they're always, I guess, negative studies in a way, Ah. (laughs) where we haven't found a difference or a true difference between the groups. Mm. So that really didn't surprise us so much. But what did catch our attention was the results of some of the secondary outcomes. What did you find? So as far as the Roland Morris Disability Questionnaire score at two days, we saw that the score favored Ketorolec over ibuprofen by 4.3. It's a difference that was less than the minimum clinically important difference of five that we identified for the sample size calculation. But when you consider the distribution around this mean difference, it seems that the improvement in low back pain impairment experienced with Ketorolec two days after the ED visit was more than that from ibuprofen. For some patients, this was clinically relevant. For others, it was not. So this is more clearly seen when you look at the frequency with which pain, oh, sorry, patients in each arm failed to improve by at least uh, five on the MRDQ. In the Ketorolec arm, 25% of participants failed to achieve this threshold versus 44% of participants in the ibuprofen arm. This corresponded to a number needed to treat of five. And then when we look at the worst pain intensity scores at days two and five, Fewer participants who received Ketorolac reported moderate and severe pain than participants who received ibuprofen two days after the ED visit. The between-group difference between ibuprofen and Ketorolac for this outcome at two days was 15%. And after five days of the ED visit, it was 18%. Uh, This 18% represents about uh, a five uh, number needed to treat. So uh, the pain frequency at two and five days so we found that fewer participants who received Ketorolac experienced pain frequency of always, uh, frequently or always, compared with participants who got ibuprofen at two days after the ED visit. And this difference between the groups is 21%. And at five days, the difference between ibuprofen and the Ketorolac groups was uh, 16%. One other interesting thing that we found was uh, the question on stomach irritation. So uh, ibuprofen, 26% of patients described it to be a lot or little of stomach irritation, while Ketorolac was 5%. So that was a number needed to harm when you compare ibuprofen to Ketorolac of about 5. Very interesting. So what do you think we should come away with from this study? And and what study do you think should come next? Yeah, so, you know, it depends how you uh, think about this. So strictly evidence-based answer would be uh, different than the conclusion we sort of took away from the study personally. Mm -hmm. So the evidence-based answer is that there's no difference between the NSAIDs when it comes to improving functionality as measured by the RMDQ, the Roland Morris Disability Questionnaire Score, five days after an ED visit. I say that because the p-value for the difference between the groups and the Roland Morris score was 0.34, so not statistically significant. But when you look at the data a little bit closer, there are some tantalizing hints that Ketorolac might be better. First, if you look at the difference in improvement in the Roland Morris score between Ketorolac and ibuprofen, uh, between the ED visit and two days later, you see that Ketorolac outperforms it by 4.3. This is the largest difference that we found in about half a dozen studies of RCTs comparing uh, low back pain medications in the ED that we've done at Montefiore. And five days after the ED visit, fewer patients who got Ketorolac reported moderate or severe pain. This is also something we haven't seen in any of our acute low back pain studies that we've completed. So it seems like all the secondary outcomes favor Ketorolac. We think that this modest benefit that Ketorolac might afford patients is potentially important, and when applied on a population level, should have a noticeable impact on this highly prevalent disease. 
So the way I think about it is that it's high upside and a little downside uh, choosing Kotorolak over your end set of choice at this point with this data that we just got. Um, as far as uh, what comes next, I think it would be great if someone tried to replicate this low back pain study, perhaps with a bit more power, so we could draw more definitive uh, conclusions. Um, we at Monofrio are deciding if we're going to sort of follow this up with another acute low back pain study or try using Ketorolac for some other acute musculoskeletal pain. All right. Well, maybe I'm going to have to reconsider my prescribing habits. So thank you very much. Thanks for your work and for coming to talk about it with us on the podcast today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this month's AEM Early Access. The full text of this article is available on our blog at brownemblog.com, open access for a limited time. Check out all of our podcasts on iTunes. Search for AEM Early Access, all one word. Today's music is by Scott Holmes. I'm Dr. Gita Pensa, and we'll see you next time.